Bible open up to 1 Corinthians 12. And we started this morning in our Sunday school hour looking at the spiritual gifts. And so um, we're going to read our affirmation together, recite it rather, and then we're going to read the text. And uh, we're in this series in Corinthians, and we're opening the Bible and trying to understand what it says. And so praying by God's grace that, that we'll do that this morning. If you weren't part of Sunday school this morning and you missed it, don't miss it next week because the sermons and our Sunday school time are kind of a package deal. So 9.15 next Sunday. Let's recite this before we read the text, something we believe especially about the Spirit and the Word today as we enter in. I'll read from uh, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, a letter that if you haven't been keeping track, Paul writes this to the Corinthian church, a church in high dysfunction, needs clarity on a lot of things and very relevant to us in that same way. We need clarity on a lot of things as a church and we we'll read verses 1 through 13, actually. This is the word of the Lord here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit of utterance, of the utterance of wisdom, rather, and to the another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. I want you to pray. Pray that God would open your heart and that you would be open to whatever he has for you. You pray silently and I will pray for us collectively. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come together as the body of Christ to worship you, to exalt the name of Jesus. And now as we come to your word, we thank you for it, that you would teach us by your spirit, that you would guide us, that we would learn that our hearts would be changed because of this word. And we know the word has power and it can cut right through bone and marrow, right to, through soul and spirit to, to give us what we need. And Father, we want to know you more and worship you, and obey you more. And so, Father, we pray that we would have humble hearts and receive what you have for us. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. So as I shared this morning in our Sunday School Hour on the topic of spiritual gifts, I come excited and nervous, if you can have those things 
at the same time because when we come to spiritual gifts, we have a bunch of questions. And I don't know what all of your church experience is on the topic of spiritual gifts. It can range anywhere from I don't have any idea what you're talking about all the way till you know that there's deep divide in theology and there's different perspectives and there's churches that practice X, Y, Z and there's churches that don't understand it and, and you name it. And so hopefully over the course of the next month, we're going to identify um, biblically and scripturally, I think, a right view, I hope, of the spiritual gifts. And, and I just, I want you to know this to my heart in this. This is a controversial topic for many. When you form a theology on spiritual gifts and your church operates in such, it can be really controversial and it can be dis- like dis- divisive rather. And, um, and so I just want you to be open. I shared that again this morning and I'll share it again right now. I want you to be open to God's word. And we can never be people that come to the, the Bible uh, or rather be people away from the Bible and come and have all our opinions unless we're opening the scriptures together, right? And seeking what God has for us. And so what I want to do just this morning in our time together this week in this text is to answer two questions and then look at five guardrails as we navigate this, this thing in spiritual gifts. So the first two questions or the only two questions this week with more to come is I want to answer what is a spiritual gift? So I just want to, by the, the biblical definition, clear that up for all of us as best as we can, answer that question. And then the second thing, and I think in greater detail, how should we approach the spiritual gifts as a people of God when we come to the topic? And so those are the two questions. First one being, what is a spiritual gift? And uh, we're going to do some background and then dive into the text there. Uh, definition here, spiritual gifts are concrete disclosures of divine, so godly, activity, and only secondarily human activity. Make sense? So God first, him power, and then only secondarily does that manifest. In verse 7, we'll see it says it's manifesting the spirit of God there. They are the presence, the gifts are the presence of the spirit himself coming to relatively clear, even dramatic expression in the way we do ministry. Gifts, listen to this, gifts are God going public amongst his people. When I hear that, I get excited. The spiritual gifts are seeing God go public. Maybe a simpler definition is this. A spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and is used in any ministry in the church for the building up and overall good of the body. All right? Simple way to look at it is the Holy Spirit, and we sang about the Trinity this morning. You saw in our songs. You'll see that in the text too. The Holy Spirit, a person in the Godhead, gives the gifts to the people in the church for ministry, for the good of the church. It's pretty simple in its root definition. But we must note that it's linked to the mission of God, to the mission of Jesus Christ. The Spirit gives gifts so that, that we can do the work that Christ has called us to do as the church. And so that's why we read from Ephesians 4, and Jesus leaves, and he gives gifts to men, and he leaves the Spirit. He said to his disciples, there's one coming, the Helper. He'll comfort you, be filled with the Spirit, give gifts to the people, so the church can function in what God has it function. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 is not the only text. We looked at this this morning that you'll see about spiritual gifts. I told people, if you can remember the numbers 12 and 4, and then just look in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. There's lists. We'll cover a lot of this in the next coming weeks. Ephesians 4, which we read from this morning, and 1 Peter 4. 
kind of are the four texts that mention the spiritual gifts. And they're, um, these passages are unique, though, and we're not going to cover them all in detail this morning. We'll get into that more in our Sunday school time. But if you read the lists, here's what you're going to come up with in, in the way of gifts that, that the Bible is spelling out. Things like prophecy, service, or we call it helps, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, faith, evangelism, apostleship, mercy, knowledge, wisdom, discernment, gifts of healing, miracles, apostleship, I mentioned that twice, I don't know why, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and as I said this morning, you could even add marriage and celibacy to the list if you understand what the Greek word is, charismata there, and the gifts of grace given by the Spirit. And there could be other gifts that are used in the body that just aren't mentioned in the list. And so they're gifts given. Now, here's the cool thing about that as we dive in. If you are a Christ follower, if you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you've been, been rebirthed, born again, as the Bible says, you have the Spirit inside you, you have a gift. And you must know that. If you have the Spirit of God, you have a gift or multiple gifts. You are gifted, all right? And not, not, not naturally by man, but by the Spirit, supernaturally, you have gifts to use in the body of Christ. And you must know that, that you are not just a regular churchgoer who spends here an hour a week, but someone who possesses, if you truly know Christ and profess his name, the Spirit of God in you. You are a Spirit-empowered agent working as a missionary of God. You must understand that. Most of us in our culture of church do not understand that. Somebody prayed that this morning as we prayed together, that we were not given a spirit of timidity but of, or fear, but of power. And most, most times as believers, we live as if we have no power. Most of the time, you have a gift. And here's what you'll see in the text is we all drink of the same spirit. The coolest part about the church, and probably why I miss being a part of this family, is because when the people of God come together, you, it's not contingent or it's not, uh, it doesn't matter what your background, your church experience, or your Bible knowledge or maturity is, right? The people of God, we all come from different backgrounds. We are all in different places spiritually. We all have different educations. We all have different stories. And what, what God is saying here, the Spirit is put into people, and we all share that in commonality, like the same spirit. So it doesn't mean that when we look at spiritual gifts, only the mature can exercise those. It means when you have the spirit of God in you, he wants to use you for the good of the body. He wants you to work for him. So you have a gift, or likely many gifts in different seasons, and some might change, and you might have gifts. We're going to explore all this down the road. Sometimes you might have a gift that exists now, and it might not later, or it might be for a certain term or purpose in season. Some you might grow into new gifts. Some you might just be open to that. So some of these gifts seem like natural things when we read the list, right? Like, well, I can understand faith. That makes sense. We have faith, and we'll learn it's not about a saving faith. It's just like I I trust in God. Some gifts like leadership, we can understand that. Knowledge, discernment. But here's the thing about even our text today. Then you start looking at the supernatural ones, the things that don't seem as natural. Miracles, tongues, prophecy, utterances of these things. And you say, well, those just seem like, those just seem like, whoa, they're, they're higher. Here's what I'd say about that. And I think this is where I've had my eyes open. They're all the same to God. 
We might categorize them as natural and unnatural or supernatural. God gives these lists in the scripture. They're all the same to him. Same spirit. Let me give you an example. Healing. This could be someone in this way, and I'm not going to dive deeply into this right now. Think of healing as a gift. I know this church has prayed for others in healing. And so if you have the gift of healing and you pray for somebody and they're healed, that's miraculous. That's powerful. And that's why we pray for one another. The Bible tells us to do that. And so that could be the gift of healing. In the same way, if you're a physician, a doctor who trusts in Christ, maybe you're using your gift of healing in a different way to bring about healing through medicine and, and, and different like medicinal ways. I don't know all the answers, but I know they're all from God. And they're all the same, but there's a variety. And so let's dive in here. Now that we've known briefly what is a spiritual gift, how should we approach the spiritual gifts? Here are the two common approaches that you find in the church, and they're polarizing often. There's a middle, we're after the middle ground, right? But one is you obsess over the gifts, and then one is you ignore them completely because you just don't know about them and you don't want to touch them. If you obsess over them, each presents a problem. If you obsess over them, and here's what I mean, and you might know people like this who have said, I have the gift of, or in more charismatic and Pentecostal type churches, there's a lot of presence of the miraculous gifts there. And they might say, well, we have this and we're more elite. Or if you obsess over the gifts themselves, what happens is you obsess, obsess more over the gift than the giver. That's what will often happen. And you can become very self-centered. You can become very prideful and arrogant if you care about the gift more than the giver of the gift, which we'll look at the text. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. We'll learn that in, in a second here. And you can't ignore them either, which is why we get to verse 1 in the text. Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So time out there. That's a scriptural command. He's saying there, and we'll talk about the context in Corinth. If you come to spiritual gifts and you don't know a lot about it, he's saying there, I don't want you to be uninformed. So in other words, that's the negative. The positive is get informed on spiritual gifts. There was a problem in the church. We'll unpack the context. He says you cannot ignore them. I don't want you to be. And I think in my life, coming up as, as a student of God's word and growing in ministry, I think I have decided, and that's a lot of what our eldership is recognizing, we want to be more informed. And we want to step towards this and not away from it. And I want to start by just recognizing what the gifts are in that way as Paul was talking. They're signs. Remember, spiritual gifts are pointing to something greater as a sign. That's what a sign does. Now, many of you, I don't know what your plans are after church usually, but some of you might go to restaurants, and I use this as the best example. When we traveled to Florida, we, um, we saw many restaurants that we could stop at for, for fast food. My kids learned my rule. They actually said they didn't know it, which I couldn't believe, because uh, as I'm learning about my OCD over the years, if I can't see the restaurant from the interstate, we're not stopping there, all right? <laughs> so I think it was Jeremiah said, Dad, I didn't know that was your rule. I said, oh, that's my rule. I'm not driving two-tenths of a mile, three-tenths of a mile, nothing. But here's, here's the picture. If we go and we see the golden arches, right? Don't, some of you just judged me. <laughs> I know it. I sensed the spirit about it. If we go there and we're hungry and we just love the sign and we sit under the sign 
and that's all we do. That's not accomplishing the purpose. Signs mean that tells us where it is, but we have to go into the restaurant and get the food. The same is true about spiritual gifts. The sign points to something greater. That's what the Bible is telling us. I'll give you the example of healing again. When someone is healed, it is an amazing thing to celebrate. That can be from something small or something great. Even I asked many of you to pray for Josiah this morning because his lungs are struggling. And I know that many of you are praying. And when he gets healing, whether it be from God just touching his body in that way or from medicine, whatever that looks like, it's an amazing thing to celebrate. But it is also just a sign of something greater. What's coming? God's power and presence, a foretaste of the reality. And I learned that yesterday as we sat at this funeral for a good friend and the family was rejoicing over their life, but they were sorrowful, right? But the reason they could rejoice is because they have hope in Christ and all the healing that we'll experience one day. We have to look at how Jesus used the spiritual gifts in the gospels. Think about this for a moment with me. When he performed miracles, when he walked along the earth, and people all the time like, why doesn't that happen all the time the way it does now? A foretaste. Let me read something that's really helpful for understanding this by Pastor Tim Keller. He said, Jesus' miracles were never magic tricks. Instead, he used miraculous power to heal the sick, feed the hungry, and raise the dead. Why? We modern people think of miracles as the suspension of natural order. But Jesus meant them to be the restoration of, of the natural order. The Bible tells us that the world was not originally meant to have disease and hunger and death in it. Jesus came to redeem the world where the world was wrong and heal what was broken. His miracles then are not just proofs that he has power, but also wonderful foretastes of what he is going to do with that power. Jesus's miracles are not just a challenge to our minds, but promises to our hearts that the world we want is coming. And that is the hope we have in Christ. And if you do not know him today, you need to know him now. Spiritual gifts are signs to something greater, and they center around elevating Jesus. And so you can't obsess over them, but you also can't ignore them. And I really want us to get this right as a church, that we would operate for the glory of Christ in the gifts in such a way that when people see the body of Christ... Get this right. They will look into it and they will see Jesus. But I think you have to approach them with care and caution and wisdom. And so I just want to give us five guardrails that will help us navigate the next several weeks as we look at this. And all of them, I believe we see them clearly in the text. And the first one is this. The spiritual gifts should always point to Jesus. Always. No matter what the gift, spiritual gifts should always point to Jesus. Let me explain. Context in Corinth is key here. What is Paul talking about? He writes them, I don't want you to be uninformed. There was clearly problems in the church about elevation of spiritual gifts. And what he says in verse 2 and 3 is this. You know that when you were pagan, so those, they didn't know Christ then, you were led astray to mute idols however you were led. So they were giving their heart to spiritual things, they thought, but they were not of God. They were giving their heart to things that were not of God, led astray. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. What Paul was doing in the church there, identifying that there were people that came out of pagan practice that gave themselves over to spiritual experience, ecstasy, like euphoric experiences that elevated themselves, and they were dark. They were demonic. Much of what we see in our culture, when people engage in that kind of activity as spiritual, and Paul says, no, that's when you were pagan. And often in that case, it's something that denounces the name of Christ. He's saying, however, in the spirit, no one can actually say that Jesus is Lord unless they're full of the spirit. And so he's making a distinction there in that. He's saying that these trances, these demonic forces, that that not everything, if you will, that is spiritual is from God, which is why the title of this is What is from God? That says you saw that this morning. All things concerning the spiritual gifts aim at the lordship of Jesus. They center around that. So verse 3 is really important. Jesus is Lord. No one can say that except those in the Spirit. And all the gifts will point and aim at that. And gifts are used and practiced and understood rightly only in that context to magnify Christ and reveal him to the body and the outside world. So the gifts are for the body. They aim at Jesus, but the outside world is always watching the church as we center our lives around Christ. So that's the first one. It doesn't matter what you think about spiritual gifts, but any gift should always aim at Jesus. Here's the second guardrail. Spiritual gifts are for the body of Christ to continue the mission of Christ. Here's what we see in verses 4 through 7. I'm just going to read it again. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You'll notice the, the themes, and in, in I don't have to spend a lot of time there. Hopefully you, you saw varieties, varieties, varieties. There's, there's service, there's gifts, there's activities, there's a bunch of stuff in there. And then you see the Trinitarian implication, right? The Father, the Son, the Spirit, all are referenced there. We sang about that as we sang about the Trinity and, and our belief in that. It's scriptural. And there's these varieties of all these gifts And we'll talk more about that and the differences. Some have abilities, some have talents, some might be spiritual gifts, some might. All things as a believer are spiritual when you come into the body of Christ. And so look at it this way, and we're going to touch on this more. Some of us just have natural abilities, things we're good at. They may or may not be a spiritual gift, but we should use them for the, the good of the body. Some of us have been given spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts, things empowered by the Spirit of God, manifested there. There's that Greek word, phaneros, manifested, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we should use for the body of Christ, for the mission of Christ. You see, this is huge. When we understand the Holy Spirit, we understand the gifts are given to fuel the mission of the church. When you understand how Jesus left and you read the book of Acts, the mission of Jesus didn't stop when Jesus left, did it? Think about it. The Gospels are over. Jesus says, I'm leaving. They're waiting at Pentecost. He says, the mission continues until I come back, until the king returns. And he left the Spirit to carry on the work that God has called us to do, ultimately to reveal Jesus to the world. That's the church's mission, right? Gospel mission. Go and tell the world about the good news of the gospel. And so when you read the book of Acts, you see the church continuing on as a body filled with the Spirit of God to carry on the work of God. So these are things that we should want to know about, spiritual gifts, in that way. And whatever the varieties of abilities and skills and gifts, we know that they are meant 
for the body and to continue the mission. More on that to come. Here's the third guardrail. The spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit, not selected by Christians. I'm going to skip ahead to verse 11. I'll just warn you that I read through the list there in 8 through 10, but I'm not diving into those deeply today, and we'll likely cover those more in our Sunday school hour. But the third one, the spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit, not selected by Christians. Let me read verse 11. All these, so all of those things, the varieties that were just mentioned, are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. In other words, the Spirit of God gives each member of the body apportions. So you might not get all, you might only get some, but you get some, whatever that is by the Spirit's direction and sovereign will, apportions them as He wills. It's not your choice. And here's why I think this is important. Because how the church often and has traditionally treated gifts, or maybe even in our hearts, is as a buffet of gifts that you can just pick from, choose which ones you would like, which ones you would not like, and I'm not touching that one with the 10-foot pole, and we categorize everything in that inventory way, and it's, no, 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 no. The Spirit gives as He wills to each one differently for times and seasons as He chooses to carry out the mission of God. That's what it is. And so often we come to the list, and, and again, this is what happens in the church. Some of you might even be here today, and man, I wish I had the gift of like teaching, like Pastor Craig. Well, that maybe I, I would argue if I actually have a gift or if I'm actually, like my family doesn't think I'm very competent when I go home on Sunday afternoons. I can't believe you said that. That didn't make any sense. It's my most humbling time of the week. Anyways, <laughs> but you can't think that way. If the Spirit gives to one, you can't be. And what happens in the church is people start elevating the gifts and demoting others. Well, that is more public gift, so that's the one. that I, The Spirit all the while gives gifts as he wills. And I've, I've said this often. There is no one unimportant in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter. They all, and we'll learn about that next week when you dive into the image of the body. All are necessary for the, the full working of God, what he wants to do in the local church. They're all necessary. There's no one less important than another in the body. And you see, when we discuss the miraculous gifts then that are controversial, tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, You have to be open that the Spirit may want to give these things. Remember, not obsessing over them, but treating them wisely for the good of the church. And sometimes I feel, and this is confession here, I feel like my theology has crippled me on those gifts in the past, and I feel like I have not been open to the Spirit at all to reveal those gifts if the Spirit has so choose. And and that's why I shared this morning the verse in 1 Thessalonians. We ought not desire to quench the Spirit. We test everything and we abstain from evil, but we don't quench the Spirit. And so the spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit, not selected by you or I. The Lord gives what he wants. The fourth guardrail is this. The spiritual gifts operate interdependently, not independently. What's fascinating that every time, and I shared this this morning, that you see the gift texts mentioned in the Bible, you see the list identified by Paul, it's always directly accompanied by an image of the body of Christ. He uses the body metaphor every time. We'll look at it next week. The hand cannot say to the eye, the eye cannot say to the nose. He uses the the reference of the body, the members of Christ as an analogy, a metaphor. And you see this is in verses 12 and 13. For just as the body 
physical human body is one and has many members, arms, legs, feet, nose, all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. We came together in one, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, Wisconsinites and Illinois people. My addition. There's more of them than you know that are in this room, and some of you don't even know. I love it. And all were made to drink of one spirit. Here's the beautiful thing again, and I mentioned it. We come from different walks of life. It's unique to the church. It's the thing that makes the church so ridiculously crazy and good is that when God saves somebody and redeems somebody, he brings those of economic wealth and status and those from poorer upbringings together and says, you drink from the same spirit. You're drinking from the same faucet now. It doesn't matter what kind of water you were drinking before. Different educations, different family structures, different, different jobs, all the body, all important. We are diverse, and that's what makes the church so beautiful, baptized into one body, one spirit. And the gifts come into the body that way. And God says, and this is why you can't look at others in the way of, well, I don't think they'd probably be as gifted because they're just not as spiritually mature as me. That's where we could get it wrong really easily. Somebody that gets redeemed by the power of the gospel and Christ and is born again and the spirit comes into the body, has a gift, and many a times, and I confess this again, we just don't use it because it's not recognized or used or people feel like, oh, I don't know if I could ever contribute. I see all these people on stage all the time and what do I have to offer? But they're supposed to be used interdependently. And I have to rant on this just briefly. We're not Lone Ranger Christians. And I, I don't want to like go off and I feel rested, so I probably if I was before vacation, I might have been a little more aggressive about this. But sometimes we think we can just live this monastic Christianity, this lifestyle of just us. The only problem with that is the Bible. There is no context for which church is supposed to operate alone. There's no context with the Christian faith is to be lived apart from the body. All right? There's just no context in the scriptures. There's commands that you simply cannot fulfill unless you're a member of a local body engaged to the fullest degree. It's just there's no context for it. And I realize that some of you are new to that in your faith. I realize that some of you are uncomfortable to that with commitment and and accountability. And some of us in our age are just like, well, I don't know, because like, but I'm a Christian, but you cannot hang out alone. We can't come to a text like this and have you hang out alone. You cripple the body of Christ when you view it that way. You have gifts in you if you are truly in the Spirit and know Christ that you are not allowing the body to use when you're away from the body. And there is no such language in the Scripture when you are not connected to the local church in commitment. And I get that, and I'll be patient with that. But I want you to just work with me a little bit, just a little bit. Say, I will do my best to step a little more fully into this body through this this series that we're going to. Wherever you're at, And there's no shame on like, have you not been? Here's your time. I will step a little more fully into the church. It might be uncomfortable. It might not be my favorite thing. But I'm going to step towards whether it's accountability or commitment or giftedness, whatever it is. I want to be around these people because these are the people of God. And this is mission activity here. We need to, all of us need to step in differently to that because every believer has a gift and they're meant to work together. I just, before I get to the fifth one, Think about Sunday morning. Have you even considered how many gifts were used just to 
be gathered here this morning? Some of you think, well, yeah, I mean, you got to do a message. You got to sing songs so the musicians up here. Do you know that the lights are on because we have people that are gifted in church budget, budgets and we have finances? I mean, just, do you know that, that somebody set up this table this morning behind the scenes because she's a servant of the church? Do you know that, that people printed bulletins and, and scripture and Sunday school teachers met with kids? Think about just a day, an hour, all the gifts that were represented just to gather here today. Somebody to take signs out to the parking lot. Somebody to make sure the parking lot was plowed. Somebody to take garbage and, and take it out of the building or make sure the bathrooms are clean. Just think about today and say, man, I want to be a part of that so that the gospel can go out to the world, so that Jesus could be known. That's how we ought to think about it, and it is a beautiful thing. Here's the fifth one. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13 in two weeks. Spiritual gifts are nothing without love. And I don't have a whole lot to say about that other than we must know that as we approach the gifts, it has to be in humility and love for each other in the body. Some of us might see it different theologically. Some of us might practice gifts that others either don't have or that we wish we had and we struggle through that, but it must be done in love. Paul is going to write about that in 1 Corinthians 13. And he's going to say, none of this matters if you guys don't love each other. If we go back to the first guardrail and say that all the spiritual gifts aim at Jesus, we must know that our love, as Jesus told his disciples, aims at Jesus. When we do not love each other well in the body, people do not see Jesus. When we love each other well and we get over ourselves and lay our pride and, and selfishness and self-centeredness down and we go after each other in humility and grace and patience, that's love. And we're going to read the list, right? Love is not rude. It does not envy. It does not boast. All of those things. That's when we get it right. I just know that people run over others when it comes to spiritual gifts. They just do, whether it's their theology or like, look at me, look what I do, and it's dangerous. So there you have it. As we enter into this month, and I'm relatively out of time, there's the guardrail. Spiritual gifts would always and should always point to Jesus. Spiritual gifts are for the body of Christ to continue the mission of Christ. The spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit, not selected by Christians. The spiritual gifts operate interdependently, not independently. And the spiritual gifts are nothing without love. We'll spend more time in the coming weeks, but I'm excited. And now what we get to do, and I'm excited for this too, that we get to gather around the Lord's table and just celebrate Jesus. That's why we come to this meal. We get to gather and celebrate what Jesus Christ has done in the giving of his life so that we could know him and be filled with the spirit to go and to tell people about that. Let's pray together. It's a good day to gather as God's people, to be filled with the spirit and to worship him. Amen. I want to leave you with this benediction from Hebrews 13, which I think is quite appropriate for us and where we're going. It says this, Now may the God of peace who brought again the dead of our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a blessed day. Go in peace. You are sent.